There's one thing God can't do, and that is to fail. And he will never fail you. He will always be faithful. The scripture says, even when I am faithless, he remains faithful. Because that's who he is. That's his character. Do you believe God, our faithful God, wants to do something amazing in your life today? I know he does. So let's pray together. Dear God, we just invite you in to do all that you wanna do in our lives and our hearts over the next few moments. I pray for everyone, Lord, who's worshiping with us through our online family, wherever they are in the world, that you would let them know that you're right there with them to speak to their hearts, that you know what they're going through. I pray for everyone at the Woodlands campus, everyone at our Atascacita campus, everyone worshiping through our broadcast ministry, that you would just let them know, Lord Jesus, that you're right there, that you know what no one else knows. You know the hurts that we keep hidden. You know the pain and the problems, Lord, that seem too big for us. And I thank you, Lord, that not only do you know, you care, and you have the power to do something about it. So I pray over the next few moments that you would just work in our hearts so that we'd never be the same again. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Well, this weekend, we're concluding our series on how God sparks divine and lasting change in our lives. Now, usually, when we're making positive changes in our lives, maybe starting a new habit or we're trying to get rid of a destructive habit, at first, everything goes great until we hit a wall. And I call that wall the wall of normal because normally, it's at the wall of normal where we give in and give up. But you have to break through the wall of normal to get to the next level. The hardest part of change is always going from normal to the next level. It's that little space between normal, what everyone else is doing, and next level, what very few are doing. And most people just get stuck at normal. And by the way, God hates normal. Normal in our culture means that you're just too busy for God. Normal means having no margin for deep and rich relationships. Normal means making excuses when things get tough. Normal means taking for granted all of God's blessings in our lives. Normal means always playing it safe and never taking steps in faith, to risk in faith, to receive all that God has for you. And God hates normal. God hates normal so much, he sometimes allows things to get worse than normal. And when God allows things to go worse than normal in some area of your life, it's so you'll never go back to normal again. He wants you to break free from the wall of normal so you'll get to the next level. And sometimes it takes our wall of normal to fall apart so we can finally rebuild a life that is better than normal. That's exactly what the people of Jerusalem were experiencing when they had returned from captivity after 70 years in Persia. They were trying to rebuild the temple, rebuild their homes, rebuild their neighborhoods, rebuild their civilization, their society, but the great wall of Jerusalem was still in ruins. And God calls a man named Nehemiah to ignite a spark of change in the people that would take them from normal to the next level. And Nehemiah is the most trusted advisor to the king of Persia, the most powerful country of that day. 
And the king had allowed many of Nehemiah's Jewish brothers to go back to Jerusalem to start rebuilding. But Nehemiah stayed behind because the king needed him. But Nehemiah then gets word that the walls of Jerusalem are still in rubble. And Nehemiah is just devastated by this news because the wall meant protection and security from the surrounding enemies. And Nehemiah knew until the wall was rebuilt, the people couldn't rebuild their homes. They couldn't rebuild their neighborhoods. They couldn't rebuild their schools. They couldn't really do life at the next level. So the king of Persia gives Nehemiah permission to return to Jerusalem, and he leads the people to rebuild the broken down wall. Nehemiah returns and he inspires the people. He puts a spark of hope in the people and it just ignites a flame of passion to rebuild. And they begin to rebuild the broken down walls of Jerusalem. And everything is going great. They're working with all their heart. But then they hit what I call rubble trouble. And this rubble trouble is really what I want us to focus in on. Because what you do when you hit rubble trouble, and you will always hit rubble trouble when you're trying to make positive changes in your life, when you're trying to go from normal to the next level. And it's why most people get stuck at normal because they don't know what to do when they hit rubble trouble. They're not expecting to hit rubble trouble, and they don't do what God calls us to do when we hit rubble trouble. So let's take a look at it. Would you open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter four and would you stand in honor of God's word and just follow along with me. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites and the people of Ashdod heard the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. You can be seated. The people hit rubble trouble, and they felt like giving up. Now, when did they hit this rubble trouble? This is really important to notice in Nehemiah 4, 6. It says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. So the people were so inspired. They were so fired up that they were working at it with all their heart and they're doing great until they get halfway finished. And it's at the halfway point of building back the wall that they hit rubble trouble and they feel like giving up. You know, last year, Chris and I climbed uh, Enchanted Rock outside of Austin, and it's not a very difficult hike, but it uh, was in the heat of the day, in the heat of summer, it was really humid, and we got about halfway up the mountain, and I felt like I'd seen enough. And I told Chris, look at this view, isn't this amazing? And we can go back down now, we don't have to go to the top, I'm fine, I'm good with this but I do need to sit down and drink some Gatorade and eat three or four energy bars, and then we'll go back down. How about that? And she said, come on. You know, we can make it. It's not very far, and the view will be worth it. And so she sparked some change in me and lit a fire in me, and 
We made it to the top, and it was worth it. It's a beautiful view. But have you ever been halfway up a mountain and felt like quitting, felt like giving up? You're halfway through marriage counseling, and it doesn't seem to be helping very much. You're spending money on it, and, and you just feel like giving up. Or you're halfway through marriage counseling, and all of a sudden, that issue gets hit, and makes you feel really uncomfortable, and you just feel like giving up. You're halfway through building a business, and it just feels like you're still getting started because there's problem after problem after problem. You feel like giving up. Halfway through college, feel like giving up. When you get to the halfway point, that's usually when rubble trouble hits. And we need to be aware of it. See, you need to understand that it's much easier to tear down than it is to build up. It's much easier to tear something down than it is to build something up. And the people didn't quite get that at the time, but they began to understand it. When you hit that rubble trouble, you need to understand it. It's, it's hard to build up. It's hard to be a builder. It's much easier to tear down. The Great Wall of Jerusalem that had taken so long to build, and each stone meticulously planned and placed in just the right spot. It was torn down and burned in just a few days. That's because it's much easier to tear down than it is to build up. And whenever you're building up, you need to know it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard, that's why most people tear down and don't build up. And really, there are two types of people in the world, those who tear down and those who build up. Most people are those who tear down. It's always easier to tear someone down with criticism than it is to build someone up. It's always easier to tear down a marriage than to build up a marriage. It's always easier to tear down a business with one act of dishonesty than it is to build up a business with thousands of acts of integrity. It's always easier to tear down than it is to build up. One reason it's so hard to build up is because it always brings out the critics. That's what happens with the Israelites at the halfway point of the rebuild. You see, the enemies of Israel started stirring up trouble. And in verse eight, it says, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. So when the enemies of God saw that the wall was being built, they got afraid. They loved it when the wall was torn down. They're the enemies of God, and they're people who love it when the walls of your life are torn down. They are not your friends. You need to understand that. People who tear down will always try to justify their non-building life by tearing you down whenever you try to build something up. You know, if you try to build anything in your life, you'll be criticized, you'll be attacked. The only way to avoid criticism and to avoid critics in this life is never build anything. Never build anything with your life and just join all the non-builders because it's much easier to tear down everyone else who's building something up and criticize everyone else who's doing something rather than do anything that builds up yourself. To do anything that builds anything, you're gonna be criticized and there'll be critics. Now, the Israelites had trouble from without their enemies were threatening to attack them. And then they had trouble from within. They got discouraged. 
and discouragement started spreading. And it's like a terrible disease. Discouragement can just spread really quickly. They had double trouble. And in Nehemiah 4.10, it says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. They're halfway finished and they hit rubble trouble. They're working like crazy. And there's still so much rubble all around them. It, it feels like the rubble is just multiplying. It feels like the more they build, the more rubble they see. It, it seems like that there's just rubble everywhere. And they start focusing in on the rubble instead of the rebuild. They start focusing in on all that's torn down rather than what they're building up. And you need to know this. It's always easier to build than it is to rebuild. I said it's always easier to tear down than it is to build up, but it's always easier to build than it is to rebuild. It's much harder to rebuild, but the reward is in the rebuild. It's always easier, why? Because of all the rubble that's accumulated from your failures that you have to deal with. You gotta deal with the rubble to rebuild. With the Israelites, when they looked at all the rubble from their past failures, they couldn't see what God was building in their future because they were focused in on the rubble. They got stuck in the rubble trouble. It's easier to build than it is to rebuild. And some people at the first sign of rubble trouble, what they do is decide not to rebuild what is broken and they just go over and start something new that they can break. Some people, you know, when they first hit problems in a marriage, you know, they say, you know, I'm not gonna rebuild what is broken. I'm just gonna go over and start a new broken marriage. That's what I'm gonna do. It's much easier to rebuild. It's much easier to build than it is to rebuild. It takes a lot of work to rebuild something that is broken. But the reward is in the rebuild. God is a rebuilder. God is in the rebuilding business. That's what God is all about. He's not about the tearing down business. He's about the rebuilding business because he rebuilds broken lives, broken hearts, broken dreams, broken families, broken relationships. Now here's what I want you to see. What I want you to get out of this message, if you don't get anything else, the whole point is this. Rubble trouble is really rubble opportunity. I want you to see today, when you leave this place, I want you to have a whole new perspective on your rubble. Rubble trouble is really rubble opportunity. With the Israelites, the rubble was really an opportunity from God. Now they had double trouble, right? Their enemies were threatening to attack from without. They were getting discouraged from within. What they thought was double trouble was really an opportunity from God for double triumph. For you see, if they let God give them the strength when they had no strength and they rebuild the wall, it would encourage their faith in God to know that God could do what they couldn't. It would encourage their faith in God and secondly, it would discourage their enemies. They would have double triumph. And whenever you experience double trouble in your life and the problems are coming at you, from all directions, some of you are going, I got quadruple trouble. When you have double trouble in your life, it's opportunity for double triumph. 
There's no doubt about it. Isaiah 61, seven says it. I know this promise is for somebody today who's going through double trouble. I mean, you know, those problems are just coming at you. And it's double opportunity. You're in the rubble, but God wants to do a rebuild. This is for somebody out there, Isaiah 61, seven. God says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Focus on those two words, double portion. What you're seeing as a double problem is really an opportunity for God to give you a double portion. What you're seeing as a double burden is really your opportunity for a double blessing. That's what God wants for you. God brings or he allows double trouble into our lives because he wants us to experience double triumph. And that's what he wanted for the Israelites. What we're talking about is the reward for the rebuilder. God is a rebuilder when we join him in rebuilding in our lives, in the lives of others, then we align ourselves with God's heart. And the reward is in the rebuild. Hey, it's rewarding to build something, to build something up, and it's much harder than tearing something down. And most people, they just tear down. They just criticize everyone else because they're afraid to step up and try to build something because it's harder to build up than it is to tear down. But most people just tear down rather than build up. But then there are a few that build. There are even fewer still that were rebuilt. But the greatest reward is in the rebuild. Why? Because we're all broken. And when we realize that, we realize that everything that matters is a rebuilding process. When you first get married, you aren't perfect and you don't have a perfect marriage. You're very broken. It's two very broken people trying to share everything from different backgrounds, different personalities, different needs. And you come together to share everything and you're broken. And so day one, you start to rebuild. Most people don't though because they don't realize that. They think they're perfect and then all of a sudden it goes bad. What happened? No, it was never perfect. It was always broken, but once you start rebuilding, you take the broken pieces, start building something beautiful together and let God give you the strength to rebuild something amazing, the reward is always in the rebuild. Well, I want us to see how we can become rebuilders and cooperate with God's rebuilding process in our lives and in the lives of others. Let's look at Nehemiah all the way back while he's still in Persia and how he became a rebuilder of broken things. In Nehemiah 1.3, it says, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So Nehemiah hears about the walls being broken down and his heart is broken over it. He's devastated. He weeps, he prays, he fasts for days because his heart is broken because the walls are broken down. But it wasn't really because the walls of Jerusalem were broken down, it was because the people he loved were broken and hurting because the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. And his heart breaks for the people whose hearts are broken. 
And the first step to rebuilding something that is broken is your heart has to break over it. The first step to rebuilding anything that's broken, your heart has to be broken over it. You can't rebuild anything until first your heart is broken over the rubble and the devastation. You can't rebuild a broken relationship until your heart is broken over the part that you played in it, the rubble that you caused. You can't rebuild what is broken in our culture until your heart is broken over your part in it. Nehemiah had a heart for the broken because he realized he was broken. If you don't realize you're broken, you'll never have a heart for broken things. You'll never join God in being a rebuilder of what is broken and you'll miss out on the reward of the rebuilder. The greatest rewards in life come from rebuilding. The reason we do what we do at Woodland Church is because we wanna connect our hearts with God's heart and be rebuilders of what is broken. Our heart breaks for those who are hurting and hopeless without Christ. That's why we wanna get the gospel of hope around the world so people can find hope. That's why we do our missions to the poor and the powerless. Sometimes people ask us, why do we do missions on the other side of the world? Well, most of our missions are right here and local missions in our area, the city of Houston, helping those who are hurting, but we do missions around the world as well. Why? Because they're hurting people. Wherever they're hurting people, we wanna reach out and help those who are broken rebuild. Why do we do what we do with preschool and children and students? Because this generation growing up is growing up in a culture that is destroying lives. This generation growing up is hurting and they're growing up in a hopeless, godless culture. But at Wilden Church, man, we invest so much and we spend so much time and energy and effort and resources on children and students because they're hurting desperately. And I'm telling you, our students are gonna change the world with God's power. It's amazing, sometimes I hear people my age griping about the next generation, oh, this next generation, I mean, it's just awful. They don't get it, you know. This next generation is terrible, or I don't know what's gonna happen to this next generation, bad as things are, and I want you to know, this generation growing up at Woodland Church, man, they have the hope of Jesus Christ, and they are passionate, on fire for Jesus Christ, and we are gonna do everything we can do to raise up this next generation to change the world. I mean, this generation is going through so much pain and hurt and hopelessness, and that's why we've helped thousands come to know Christ and find a purpose and find meaning. You know, next weekend, we have Reality Weekend, and it's for our junior high and high school students. There are already over 1,000 junior high and high school students and counselors signed up and we take over the Woodlands Pavilion on Friday and Saturday and we take over the hotels on the waterway, all of them on Friday and Saturday and it's amazing as these kids gather and worship the Lord but then the whole purpose of Reality Discipleship Weekend is they break into little groups and they study God's word and they're discipled and they're mentored and it's just amazing and we have a thousand students, junior high and high school, who wanna be disciples of Jesus Christ. And they're gonna have a blast. It's gonna be so much fun and it's gonna be amazing. But I'm telling you, it's all about Jesus. And that's why we do what we do. The teen suicide rate is going through the roof. There's so many teenagers during the pandemic that have suffered from mental health issues, anxiety and depression and 
and isolation, and it's just been awful. But that's why we do what we do at Woodland Church. And I want you to know, if you, if you wanna do anything that rebuilds, if you wanna do anything that joins the heart of God, you ought to get involved in helping our students. And by the way, if you're a student and you haven't signed up for Rally Weekend, today's the last day and you need to sign up. We will make room for you, I guarantee you that. We've got sign-up places all around our auditoriums at Tascacita and here at the Woodlands, and, and you can go out and sign up right away. Parents, you need to get your students signed up because they get there, their life will be changed. Sign them up. And we need people to give scholarships. I think it's $240 per student, which covers maybe a little over half the cost, really, of it to do all the things that we're doing. But we need scholarships. They're students that can't afford it. And I just really challenge you. Some of you need to go out and, and get 10 scholarships, and we'll have stations out there to do that, give 10 scholarships to change a student's life. Our students and our children need adults to show them the way, to be there for them, to help them rebuild. That's what we're doing at Woodland Church. Our whole goal is to stand for the gospel of hope, to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, and to stand for the poor and powerless, not to give them a handout, but a help up, to come alongside them with resources and training. And then our goal is to stand for the next generation, to invest in them to change the world. And that's what we're doing here. And that's why we do it, because we live in a broken culture we live in a world that is broken and hurting all over this world, and we need Jesus. And the answers aren't in a politi politician or a president. The answers aren't in government. The answers aren't in education, as important as education is. The answers aren't in science and technology, as wonderful as that is. If the answers were in those things, then things would be solved by now, but the answer is a spiritual answer because the problem is a heart problem. It's broken hearts that have turned away from God. And there's only one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the hope for our nation. He is the hope for our world. Jesus Christ is the hope for the hopeless and the hurting, and that's why we do what we do, because we've joined him in being rebuilders of that which is broken. We need rebuilders who will rebuild in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I love Nehemiah 2.13 because Nehemiah was a great leader. Once he got to Jerusalem, what did he do? Here's what he did in chapter two, verse 13. By night, I went out to the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. So Nehemiah goes out at night when no one's watching and he inspects the broken walls because he wants to have a real evaluation of the rubble. He wants to know exactly what he's dealing with. He wants to know the depth of the destruction. He wants to know how bad the problem really is because he doesn't want to be in denial. He wants rubble reality. And before you can rebuild what is broken, you have to inspect the brokenness and get real about the rubble in your own heart. You have to get real about the rubble and the devastation in that relationship. You can't be in denial. You have to get 
real about the rubble or you won't be able to deal with it. I have to inspect my own heart and get real about the rubble in my own life and get real about the depth of brokenness in our lives, our relationships, and our culture. We have to start seeing clearly the rubble in our hearts that came from turning away from God. We have to start seeing clearly the rubble and brokenness in our families that only Christ can rebuild. We have to start seeing clearly the rubble of brokenness and pain that this generation growing up is experiencing. Well, let's get back to the rubble trouble for the Israelites in verse 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Did you get that last sentence? We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. When they hit rubble trouble, they realized a truth that changed everything, that they couldn't do it. And they felt like giving up. But God said, don't give up, just give it over to me. You see, maybe the reason God has allowed rubble trouble to come into your life is so you will come to the same place and you'll realize you are not able to do this thing called life. You are not able to solve this problem. You are not able to bring harmony in a relationship. You're not able to fix someone else. You're not able to change the circumstances. Many times God will allow rubble trouble into our lives so we will come to the place where we realize we can't do this by ourselves. We are unable to build a wall by ourselves. Hey, that was always the truth. God was helping them, God was strengthening them, but he allowed them to come to the end of their strength so he could give them his supernatural strength and they would realize that he's the one that did it in a miraculous way and it would build their faith. Nehemiah saw the rubble for what it was. He saw the double trouble as a double opportunity. And look what he says, and this is what changes everything. In verse 14, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. First he says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. He says, get your eyes off the enemy and onto the rebuilder. Get your eyes off the threats from the enemy and get your eyes onto the rebuilder who wants to do this through us with his strength. And then he says, remember why you're building. First, you wanna write this down. Remember who the rebuilder is and focus on the rebuilder, the God who built the universe, the God who's the rebuilder of broken things, the God who will one day make all things new in the new heaven, in the new earth. The God who restores all things. He is the rebuilder. You focus on him and you get your eyes off the enemy. You get your eyes off the rubble and onto the rebuilder and it will change everything. But then he says, not only remember who the rebuilder is, but remember why you're building. The second thing you've gotta do when you hit rubble trouble, you gotta remember why you're building and why it's so hard and why it's so worth it. You gotta remember the reward of the rebuilder. You see, Nehemiah was a brilliant leader and so what does he do? He tells them, hey, I know there are gaps in the wall, but then he finds out whose houses are closest to each gap and he assigns the families 
who live in the houses closest to the walls, the gaps in the walls, to protect that gap. He says, hey, Father, I need you to stand in the gap. Half of you are gonna keep building the wall, half of you are gonna stand in the gap with a weapon ready to fight if the enemy attacks. And you need to fight for your home that's right next to that gap. You need to fight for your family, for your children, for your marriage. You need to fight. I love that because he was saying, remember why you're rebuilding? Don't you get it? I mean, we're in the fight of our lives. And the way we fight is on our knees, praying to God, getting his strength, praying for our marriages, praying for our kids, praying for our culture to change, praying for God to bring revival to our land. You, you see, it all comes down to it's worth fighting for. Nehemiah stands up and he says, rebuilding is hard, but rebuilding something broken is really hard, but it's so worth it. There's a higher purpose to it. He says, hey guys, don't you know that we're not just rebuilding a broken down wall? What we're doing is rebuilding our relationship with God that was severed when we turned our backs on God. And that's why this wall is broken down. He says, don't you realize what we're doing is we're not just rebuilding a broken down wall. We're rebuilding our families that were torn apart as a consequence of us turning our back on God. He says, don't you realize we're not just building a wall. We're not building a retaining wall around Jerusalem. What we're doing is we are building and rebuilding the broken lives of our children who looked and saw a parent that was supposed to be godly, not really putting God first. Don't you get it? We're rebuilding our children's faith. That's what we're doing. We're not just building a wall. We're rebuilding our culture. We're rebuilding our nation. We're re rebuilding our families. That's what we're doing. He showed them the higher purpose and the reward of the rebuilder. And the double trouble was turned into double triumph. And in verse 15, it says, so on October the 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. You see, that double trouble turned into double triumph. That double burden turned into double blessing. That double problem turned into a double portion. For you see, only God could have given them the strength to build the wall in 52 days. It was a miracle of Almighty God, and everyone could look, all of the people of Jerusalem could look up and say, wow, look what God did. God gave us the strength to do something we had no strength for. I remember when all that rubble was around, but we got our eyes on the rebuilder, and look what he did through us. And so first, it strengthened their faith in Almighty God, and then secondly, it discouraged their enemies. Their enemies looked at it and said, their God had to have done that because no human being can do that. And God wants the people around you that don't know him to look at your life and say, well, only God could do that. And so what happened? Their faith was made stronger and their enemies were made weaker. The double burden turned into a double blessing. I wanna read to you Isaiah 61 again. 
this promise again from the message paraphrase. I, I love it from the message paraphrase. And if whoever this was for didn't get it the first time, get it this time, okay? Isaiah 61, four. They'll rebuild the old ruins, raise a new city out of the wreckage. They'll start over on the ruined cities. Take the rubble left behind and make it new. Because you got a double dose of trouble and more than your share of contempt, your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy will go on forever. Praise God for that. A double dose of trouble that comes into your life is a double opportunity for triumph. That double problem can be turned into a double portion of God's blessing in your life. And here's the interesting thing. God takes the existing rubble and he makes something new and beautiful out of it. Our great rebuilder of broken things will take the broken things and he'll make something beautiful out of it. He'll take the ashes and bring beauty out of it. That's the great rebuilder. And so all the rubble from your past, all the pain, all the failures, all the struggles, he doesn't waste one brick. He doesn't waste any rubble. He takes every bit of rubble and he rebuilds with it and builds it into something new. That's what God wants to do in your life. I want us to stand and let's pray together. I want you, I know so many of you have just sensed God speaking to your heart because right now you got rubble around. I get it, I know. I know there's some area of your life, there's areas of my life that there's rubble around it. And when I start looking at the rubble, I get really discouraged. So you look to the rebuilder, okay? And then when that rubble hits, when that double trouble hits, you know it's God allowing you to have a double triumph for him to do a miracle to build your faith and for him to protect you against the enemy. And so I want us to pray right now and just commit our hearts to the Lord that we would just be open to his change process in our lives. We would be able to see that he's the rebuilder of broken things and that we would commit to be rebuilders of broken things so our hearts can get aligned with him. People ask us, how has Woodland Church grown? Well, I have to blame God for that one. I don't understand it all because it's all God, but yet I know one thing, we've tried to align our hearts with the heart of God. And when you align your heart with the heart of God and you start loving, hurting people and you start rebuilding broken things, God does amazing things. And that's why at Woodlands Church, I mean, there's so many people, especially our young people who are going through and experiencing mental illness and broken emotions and, and hurts and pain and broken marriages and families and relationships. And that's why, you know, we have a full-time Christian psychiatrist, medical doctor on our staff that leads all of our lay pastor ministries that helps train counselors. And we have an amazing counseling ministry. And now, you know, churches all over send their people to Woodland Church. And we have two licensed professional counselors, one that's just focused on students. And we've been overwhelmed. And that's why we keep training more and more lay counselors and and developing more ministries to help with broken emotions, to bring rebuilding and healing. Everything we do at Wilderness Church is aligned to help broken people because we're all broken. I want us to bow together and pray and give our brokenness to the rebuilder. Dear God, I thank you so much for your love for us. 
that we can't even fathom. Your never-ending, never-failing love. Even when we fail, Lord, you're right there. You're faithful. So I pray today for everyone who's experiencing rubble trouble, that you would just open all of our eyes to see that's rubble opportunity that you're allowing so that we can see you do a miracle, a rebuild. And Lord, help us to stop tearing down everyone else. Stop criticizing. Lord, it's so easy for me to, when I don't want to do the hard work of rebuilding, I want to stop changing and start complaining. I want to start, stop changing and start blaming. But Lord, help us not to give in to that and to give in to the enemy. Help us be builders. And then, Lord, help us be rebuilders to realize that you specialize in taking broken things and bringing beauty out of them, that you can take the dust and the ashes and make something new and powerful out of it. You take every stone of rubble and, Lord, you carve it into something precious. And I pray that you would do that in our lives and our hearts. I pray that everyone going through double trouble, Lord, would just experience a miracle from you that will build their faith as they look to you, the rebuilder, and they remember why they're rebuilding, why it's so important. You'd give them the reward of the rebuilder for your glory. And I pray for those who've never received you, Lord. They've never admitted the depth of their brokenness. They've never come to the place where they've said, we can't do this without God. That they would pray this prayer silently to you right now in this moment and say, Jesus Christ, I need you. I admit it. I can't save myself. I've tried. I need your forgiveness that's free of all my sins. Come into my life with your Holy Spirit and change me from the inside out. Be the Lord of my life from now on. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. Thank you for saving me. Now help me grow in my faith. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life. We wanna know about it. If you did that online, just click the thing that says, raise my hand for receiving Christ. And we wanna help you. We got pastors online to help you. If you pray to receive Christ, in the Woodlands campus right here or in the Atascacita campus, go out and tell one of our pastors. We wanna help you grow in your faith. Woodlands Church, God is the rebuilder of broken things. He is the restorer of all things. And here's the great news. One day soon, he will make all things new. All that is wrong on this earth, and there's a lot that's wrong. All the sin, all the evil, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the injustice, all the wickedness and the pride, all that is wrong in this world, one day will be all right. It'll be turned around in the great reversal and he will take every broken thing and make it new. He will restore all things because we will have heaven one day, that perfect place of total fulfillment that's more real than this auditorium that we're in right now. One day we'll have that homecoming because what is God doing? He's taking all the broken things and he's making them new and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth as the restorer of all things makes all things new. And he wants to start making things new in your life, but he will not start with new material. What he starts with is your brokenness. You give him your brokenness and he'll make something new and powerful out of it. That's the God we serve. And one day he'll usher us into that place that is the place of total restoration where everything will be made new and all that is wrong down here will be all right. And I praise God for that. Do you believe that, Will and Church? Let's just thank him for who he is.
And let's claim that and let's sing that to the Lord Jesus. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.